Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City. Merry Christmas. If I didn't see you for the holiday and Happy New Year. It doesn't even feel like Christmas was this week. Wait, Christmas was this week, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, um, my name is Andrew Mikanayan, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you all here this morning to River City. Um, here at River City, to start out the service, we read a psalm from the lectionary. Today's psalm is 147 starting at verse 13, and it says, For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. <laughs> he gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. Verse 19. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus it, oh, sorry. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. We'll bow our heads in prayer. Father God, thank you for this Sunday. Thank you for this season in which we have been able to love one another, serve our community, and most importantly, just honor your birth, Father God. Thank you that you came in such a humble way, but served us in such a mighty way. We thank you that we are able to just gather together openly, Father God. We know that there's sister and brothers in Christ who are gathering in secret today. We pray for their safety. We pray for other churches around, not only the Smyrna community, but also within Georgia and the United States. We pray that they experience unity as well as diversity, Father God. We pray that this is a time where we can learn more about one another as we come to serve you. Father God, let there be less of us and more of you as we journey our day to day. Thank you, Father God, for just as we approach the year 2019, 
There may be some who are walking in expectation, some that may feel the weight of depression. Father God, but you can solve and resolve all of those issues. Thank you for partnering with us, Father God, as we seek those who will assist us during the next year. We pray for River City, Father God, as we continue to work here in Smyrna, as the table continues to be a platform on which our community can be served. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our personal prayers. <laughs> feel so discombobulated today, and I think that's okay for all of us. I've talked to many people because of the nature of the day. Tomorrow's New Year's. We're coming out of Christmas. Celebration of the Sheelys. Loss of Miss Sarah. This is life. This is life. And today, together as the body, we join together and pray. And we do prayers of the people every week. And this is a part of our service that almost feels ritualistic to some people, but it's so important that we don't allow it to be that. If the church isn't a church that prays, then we're not really a church. If we're not able to do the awkward slow down and pray together things, we're not really a church. We can gather together, but if we don't reach out to the Father together, then we're not really a church. So this is one of my favorite parts. So I'm going to lead in a prayer. And then I'm going to give some spaces for you to say something and insert something like we've been doing for different elements. We're going to do the world. We're going to do the church global. We're going to do Smyrna. Um, and then I'll let you guys have some space. So, Father, today we gather together as a people saying we need you in our churches. All across this globe, we need you in our churches. We need you to be present with us as we are present with you for the churches in different countries and for the churches in America. The body is gathering today, your body. And you've given us this gospel that has been passed down from generation to generation. Now it's ours. We steward it, the people in this room and the other people. We steward the gift that's been given to us. We get to carry it. So I pray that in each church this morning, there would be tangible moments where people experience and taste and see that you are good. I pray that there will be moments where people come back home, where prodigal sons and daughters come back home. I pray that it will be the first time people experience the joy and peace and kindness of a Christ, kindness of a Christ, the Christ. If any of you have any prayers for the church around the world, speak them now. I pray that we would be a church, especially in this nation, that knows what we believe and why we believe it. Now we pray for our world. God, it, it's, to us it feels like the darkest time in history, but there's been dark times all through history and you've had a body available on the planet to reach out to you in those times. So we lift up the entire globe today and the terrible things happening and the harm being done and the brutality and the racism and the injustice and the war and the violence and the hate and the bitterness and the loneliness and the addiction all the things that plague our world, and we ask you, God, to intervene. We need you, Jesus, to step in. We know that with you there is freedom. We need you, Jesus. If there's a prayer for the world that you have, speak it now. Prayer for our nation now. I just want to lift up um, our government, our president. I pray that there would be wisdom beyond measure. I pray that there would be uh, justice that we've never seen before. I pray that people who are victimized and harmed would be seen and people who need 
a saving God would be found, but I pray that our government would step in and help the way that it should. If you have a prayer for our nation, speak it now. Lord, finally, we pray for Smyrna. And we just thank you that we get to steward the gift of the gospel in this place. And that with that comes the responsibility to, to take this gospel to people. And you've given us all a mission field. And each of us has an area that we have people we speak into. And it's not so vast that we need to go to a different country or go on a mission trip. Not that those are bad. But you've given us people in our lives right now in our city. I pray that we would be a church that stewards this gift well for our city, that we would be known as a church that loves and serves and gives before it's deserved and loves the unlovable and sits with the un unloved and sits with the people who are outcasts and and the the dirtier and the, the people who don't have a way. We would be people who are found with them like you were found with them, God. For the city of Smyrna, we reach out to you. We need you. If you have a prayer for our city, please speak it out. So just keep your eyes closed. What I'm about to say, I say in the kindest, most pastoral tone possible. My prayer is that during one of these times that we would have prayer moments where we can't distinguish who said what because there's that many of us reaching out to you. That there would be, I would ask for prayer for our city and everyone in here would, before I even finish, be able to speak out what they're already speaking in their heart that we would label that we are the people, we are the connectors, we are the bridge, that if we're not praying and we're not seeking, the message doesn't go. We're the body of Christ. So I have a prayer, Father, that in these prayers of the people times, there would come a day very soon where we can't stop the prayers from happening. There's too many. Help us to be the church that reach out. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is Kara, and she is going to speak today, and she and her husband, Jonathan, are pastors over our middle school and high school, which are, it's one of my favorite areas in the church, it's what I did for a long time, but they have a very consistent group. Like These guys just meet whenever they're supposed to meet, they help whenever they're supposed to help, and they really set a good example for the adults, I think. Amen? Like three laughs. Amen. Cool. So, so how long have you guys been here? Um, so today we're going to pray for them, and I said so that this is something about Kara that I really love. On our staff, we have many different personalities. Um, you can tell that if you know a lot of us, you know a lot. We're very different, and but when I see Kara, I think we have some strong similarities. We're both brilliant. Like if you haven't been able to tell that, extremely brilliant, super attractive people. Um, we both love Jesus in a similar way, and. Um, the way that we would choose to kind of seek after God is really, so it's refreshing. And I always love hearing her share because she has, I believe she has wisdom from God at a younger age than um, most people do. And I know that he gives wisdom to all, but I always know that she's prayed, she's heard from God, and she has a message that's not just something she's thrown together for us. That makes sense? So let's lift her up in prayer before she starts. And Father, I just thank you for this gift. That is such a blessing to our middle schoolers and high schoolers, but also a blessing to the adults and the staff. It's Our church is different that she's with us and Jonathan, and we're better because of it. And so I pray that you would, as she speaks today, help her to just be herself, help her to carry the burden of this word and not anything other than that. And I just thank you that she gets to be here today speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I don't know whose Bible this is, but if you'd like your Bible... 
Would you like to read your Bible? You good? All right. Um, uh, good morning. Thank you. Um, pretty much Josh just said a bunch of things that he likes about himself that he also sees in me. So, <laughs> um, which if you know the Enneagram, that's not surprising. He is a three. <laughs> um, but good morning. Really glad that you um, are with us this morning. So if you haven't been with us or if you've missed Sundays leading up to this, we have been doing Advent, walking through Advent. We just ended Advent and we had Christmas, um, as most of us are probably aware. And um, this morning, before we really get too far into it, so this is the Christian calendar. We, you'll see the blue is Advent. We have Christmas, which is actually still the time that we are in. We are still in Christmas. Our society, on social media at least, it's like bombarding us being like, it's that awkward time between Christmas and New Year where you don't know what day it is. And you don't, everybody, it's just like you feel like you're in a funk and it's weird and it always feels dreary even if there's sun. But for us as Christians and on the Christian calendar, we are still getting to be in a season of celebration. Um, and so if you didn't know that, if you're looking for ex an excuse <laughs> to still be celebrating Christmas, this is your answer. You're welcome. We are still in Christmas, and we will be in Christmas until Epiphany, which is the 6th, I believe. So we are still in Christmas time. We are still celebrating, and a brief history of that is just essentially the people, the church, for centuries— um, one, it took 12 days to just celebrate the fact that Jesus came, that he showed up in a manger unexpectedly, different than they thought it was going to be. And so now, all across the world, four centuries, people are still celebrating for 12 days leading up to Epiphany. In the Western world, in our culture, that is just so abnormal. We are like, uh, Christmas starts in Halloween, <laughs> essentially. Ends the 25th, the 26th, everything comes down, and we are just waiting and waiting for January 1st. Because then, like, everything gets brought, to, brought back to life or something. Like, we've, that's the narrative that we're kind of told. And we are going to um, kind of counteract that a little bit. Um, so if you'll pull up Luke 2, which if you were been with us through Advent. If you were at our candlelight service, we, we, this is still part of the Christmas story. Like we have not left that scene. And so we're going to be reading from Luke 2, 15 through 21. Um, and I know Josh just prayed, but I'm going to pray again, um, and then we're going to dive into it. So God, I thank you that you um, are in this space I lift myself and my words up to you, and I pray that you would silence my words, that you would silence my thoughts, that anything of me would fall upon deaf ears, and that you would move in this place. That at the faintest whisper, at the slightest glimmer, that we would see you, and that we would be touched. I thank you that you want to speak to us. And I, so I just ask that we would have our, our hearts and our eyes and our ears open to whatever this morning looks like and what you have for us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in Luke 2, um, 15, um, Jesus just came on the scene. <laughs> he is still a fresh babe in that manger. Um, and so this is immediately following, this is where Luke takes us. Um, he's shown up to the shepherds in the fields, um, and he is um, about to journey us on. So starting in Luke 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into a heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they didn't know. They didn't know. They, the Lord has now made known to them that Jesus has now arrived on the scene, which is mind-boggling for us in hindsight because we know that Jesus has entered the scene and we know the significance of Jesus being born. But for people in that day and age, they didn't know that what they had been longing for for centuries had just shown up. And that is crazy to me. Verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured it up in all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so there were two parts of that that stuck out to me. One was that the shepherds, who we always just put in the nativity scene, like right when we have the nativity scene, the shepherds and the wise men, they're part of that scene. And so there's just this, this assumption almost that like they were there. They were always there. But what Luke is telling us is that there was this period of time where it was just Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and the animals, and nobody else knew. The heavens knew, the angels knew, but nobody else knew exactly at that moment that Jesus had come onto the scene. And so then he goes, they, the, God makes it known, and they journey on. And the second part that stuck out to me in that passage when it said is that, and all who heard, heard it, talking about what the shepherds had been told, wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And there was this moment where I was like, I started to put myself in the shepherd's shoes. Like, were they just waiting? Like, were these shepherds people that had known that Jesus was going to, did they believe that Jesus was going to come in the form of a babe? Did they, have, did they have a moment where they had to choose and decide, this must be real, this must be true, let's journey on and believe them? How did they retell that story to a bunch of people who had been for centuries waiting for this Messiah? What, what, what was that like? And so I didn't have this for Bill to um, show up there, but I'm going to read really quick. There are several prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. And for, sorry, I just got real congested. Apologize about that. And for just a moment, I want you to listen. This is what people, this is what they had been told, what God had said through the prophets about his, this coming Messiah that was going to change everything. Listen to it. It's mind-boggling to then think it was a baby. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, 
Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. That was Isaiah 11.10. Isaiah 35.5-6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of a mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That's talking about the ministry. And so you can understand when people heard that Jesus had been born and was being called the Messiah, listening to that, you can understand why people were a little confused. This person who supposedly the nations were going to come to him, that he was going to reign in glory and power and he was going to bring justice to an unjust world and he was going to pierce the darkness. And you're telling me that that came in the manger. So you can understand why people missed it. I mean, it makes sense that people missed that Jesus was the response, the fulfillment of all that God had been speaking. And so I started to ponder hope because that's, that's what was being tapped into. People had put a hope in what this person was going to do, not just for them, but for the nations and for the world. That is what their hope had rested in. If you'll bring up the definition of hope, according to Merriam-Webster, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That is how our world and how our society defines hope. The dictionary, the one that we have, the one that we look to, they had an expectation and desire of a very certain specific thing to happen. And baby Jesus was not the fulfillment of that very certain specific thing. That was not going to answer the desire and the longing that they had had. They wanted a king. They wanted a ruler. And that was not Jesus. So there's no way that he can be the fulfillment of our hope. And that cannot be God's response and fulfillment of his promises to us. And I have to wonder how often we do that with God. Where we have situations and things that we are saying, I am hoping that this will play out. And when it doesn't, God has let me down because the certain thing that I'm desiring or I'm longing for did not play out how I thought it was supposed to. And because that's what people did, they missed Jesus and are still missing Jesus. But he was on the scene. He was already actively changing things in the world, and they missed it because it wasn't what they thought it should look like. And so I thought, I was sitting a couple weeks ago thinking about my journey as into parenthood, um, in the if you don't, we had a very challenging first year with our first son. He was sick a lot, and I don't mean like colds. I mean like trouble breathing, hard time. Like first year was just hard, and we were young and whatever. We still are, um, <laughs> and so I felt like during the pregnancy with our second son that God was calling me to hope to believe that something could be different, that it wasn't going to be the same story 
And so I did. I started to hope, and I started to cling to this idea of being full of hope and full of faith. And you know what? Almost to a T, my second son's story is the exact same as the first. Only you can add in a seizure as a newborn. He is just as sick. We have the same struggles. We have the same unknowns as a parent. And I came to a place of being so angry at God because I said I was telling him. I was actually ignoring him, and then once we started talking, I was yelling at him. (laughs) Um, You told me to hope. You told me that. And you are not, you're not holding up your end of the bargain because hope feels vulnerable. You feel like you're risking a lot. You're putting a lot of stake into something. You didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Enter Advent. (laughs) If you will put Richard Rohr's wise, wise man this Richard Rohr is. It's from this book. If anybody would like to do it. I think whenever, but specifically during Advent. The virtue of hope. The theological virtue of hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without closure, without resolution, and still be content and even happy because our satisfaction is now at another level and our source is beyond ourselves. That is kingdom hope. And I think we often apply spiritual longings, and attach the cultural Merriam-Webster definition of hope. And so we say we really want these things to happen, and it is okay and actually good to be actively praying and believing that my son would be healthy. That is not wrong. But where it stumbles us up a little bit is that I, according to Merriam-Webster, if that's all I look at, then I'm left without hope because it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. But if I take this idea of this virtue of hope, it changes the game. It means that because God is who he says he is and because he promised a savior, which he did fulfill, and he is going to fulfill again at the second coming, It is absolutely within possibility that I could hope and still have hope and still have faith in the midst of my child who's still sick. And it's because he tells us in Revelation 21, 1 through 6, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, paired as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be their mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. 
Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That, that is the promise that we can have hope in. That is the promise. And let me tell you something. I don't think it's wrong to move to a place of question and confusion and even anger with God saying, this doesn't feel right. And that is be true. We are in a very broken world and we are, we are craving for an eternal hope. We are longing for the second coming of Jesus. But his response to us is that I will wipe away your tear. And it may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but I promise you, I am going to make something of this. It will not be wasted. And what we miss is what I think, what for me, I got convicted in um, was the fact that I miss the opportunities to celebrate when God does show up because it, it doesn't look how I want it to. As it is, celebration is not something that our world does well in general. But even us inside the church, celebration is hard. And I looked back over the year and I looked back over even Silas's, our second son's life and as I was working through this with God, I began to realize that there were moments when God showed up on the scene and I missed it. And because I missed it, I didn't get to become full of joy, full of an eternal hope, and I didn't get to celebrate. But I also wasn't talking to community much about it. And that's one of the beautiful, beautiful elements of community is that when you can share with one another what your hopes are, what you're wishing for, which is really what the word culturally Miriam Worcester should be, that's a, that's a wish. I'm wishing, I'm longing, I'm desiring. Totally okay. But also, we have community around us that can say, you're right, it doesn't look like this, but look what God did do. Let's celebrate that. It's a both and. You can be full of faith, believing that this is going to look different and it is going to be different. But the kingdom hope, the, the virtue of hope tells us that in the same breath that you can pray for healing of, of someone, believing in, in, in the, the wholeness of that person, I can also know that God is present, that he did show up in that manger and he is showing up now and he will show up again and again and again. And I have permission, where is she? I have permission from Tansy, so I'm not airing her. <laughs> she is someone who prayed diligently, fervently that her mom would be healed. And her mom two years ago in May, was healed in heaven, which is obviously not the way that Tansy intended that prayer. <laughs> she would love for her mom to be healed on earth. But in walking in life with her and in, in community, she still is having dialogue with the Lord and allowing God to say, I didn't heal God, the, your mom, the way you wanted me to, 
But look where I did show up. And you know what? She celebrates that. And it is convicting to me because I have not gone through the lot. My mom is sitting right there. <laughs> I have not gone through that pain and the agony of losing my mom. And yet I still struggle with this idea of asking God, so if you didn't show up the way I wanted you to, I'm going to choose to believe that you did or you're going to show up, so can you show me? I don't want to miss how you choose to show up. And so I was praying for our community and, the, and this going into this new year when everybody is like writing down their, their um, goals or what they want to change or whatever. And they're hoping, they're putting so much stock, we as humans are putting so much stock in the fulfillment of those things. And we're going to put a lot of effort and time, some of us, for different amounts of time. <laughs> Statistically, a lot of us not for very long. And because we still live in a broken world, and because Jesus has not returned again, we are not in the new heaven and the new earth, Odds are, we are going to be disappointed. We are going to be let down. And the things that we were so sure if we made X, Y, and Z changes, we would get a better outcome, which means we have all of a sudden this reinvigorated hope. And so when the time comes that we are let down and we are disappointed, may our hearts cry as a community be to turn to the Lord and to say, Maybe it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Maybe you didn't answer the way I wanted you to answer. But may we look within one another and may we look to God and say, but where did you show up? I trust and I believe that you showed up. Can you show me where? There are, there are people who are wandering wandering a lot of them who missed Jesus. There were people alive standing next to and sitting in front of Jesus and they missed him. May we, I, my heart is that this upcoming year that we would see Jesus however, whenever he shows up, knowing and believing that he will show up and that we celebrate, that that would become natural for us, that that would almost be like a discipline for us. That's a book, by the way, Celebration of Discipline. <laughs> um, and may we do it in the context of community. That is the beauty of life groups. That is the beauty of this space right here, that we can in both hands say, I'm really disappointed it didn't look like this but I'm really, really grateful that he showed up like this and I can know without a doubt that he is going to wipe every tear from my eye and he is going to make this new. I'm so excited for our community heading into this next year. I believe it in the core of who I am 
that there is going to be something exciting and new and beautiful coming for us that is going to look different. It is going to taste different than what we have experienced. And may we come together and may our hearts under the blood of Jesus unify and, and cr- have our hearts cry be that we see in, in all of his fullness how he chooses to show up. It's really interesting because after, as soon as Jesus is on the scene, as soon as Mary and Joseph have Jesus, the first thing really that we see in scripture is is the angels rejoicing. That is the, and obviously they have a very different view than we do. (laughs) So they're going to get it in ways that we definitely don't, still don't. But as I pray, I'm going to be praying that maybe we would take the next few days or weeks or months or maybe even next year that we would move into a space of asking the Lord, reflecting maybe, for, and asking the Lord, were there times that you showed up and I didn't see you? And allow there to be healing because that's what he wants for us. And may we move into dreams for this upcoming year. We may, may we move along in our journeys full of this eternal hope because you know God is going to show up. And being present, God's nearness, the very act of us being present with him and him being present with us It feeds the most steadfast hope that I could never create. When I finally was willing to air my feelings, all of them, with the Lord, and I just sat there, he had not spoken anything. I could just feel his nearness, and I felt the shift of hope. It doesn't make sense But when we sit in his presence and we allow ourselves to be fully honest and vulnerable about all of our feelings and disappointments and anger, it shifts us. And I move to a place of gratitude. And that, for me, was a form of celebration. That, for me, was a spot that lasted longer than just that moment. (coughs) Excuse me. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray over our year that we're stepping into. And at the end of service, there will be an opportunity to receive prayer. My my prayer will be that if you are someone that is struggling to see where God has shown up or is showing up, that you might take the very, very brave step of asking him, where are you? I don't have a lot of faith, but I want to believe you have shown up, so where are you? God, I thank you that you... 
thank you that you chose to send a baby in the most unexpected, imperfect, messy way. In the stillness of the night, But I thank you that you came, that you you fulfilled the promises that you had been speaking to people for generations. You showed up, and I ask God that as we head into this new year, that we as a community would be looking for you to show up in the most unexpected, imperfect, quietest of moments. I ask that as a community, we would be able to do both the disappointment and the celebration. That you would bring healing to the hearts of the people who feel like they have been betrayed by you. Because you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. I thank you that you are a God that is full of compassion and kindness that you are the safest lap for us to come sit on, and you are willing and able and desiring for us to say it all. And you are also willing and able and excited to say, but I was in this moment, but I showed up here, and I am here now. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. May we be a people that walk the city and the streets and the nations carrying the hope of knowing that you came and you will come again. And that is enough to sustain us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.